Good afternoon. You are on the panel. Friday's panel. It is wonderful to have your company. We have Ed Amon and Ali Moore this afternoon. Just a traffic update here. Uh, reports of a traffic truck breakdown on State Highway 1, blocking the northbound lane just north of Brindua. Uh, consider delaying your journey or expect delays and possible diversions. Now, there was a truck trash, crash too um, in the southbound Nielsen Street on-ramp to State Highway 20, uh, but that crash has just been cleared of all rain, uh, rain. So Nelson Street on ramp to State Highway 20, that is now open. Uh, this first, and by the way, we have just joined us. We are doing a snap panel poll today. Do you support wiping GST off fruit and off veggies? You know, your broccoli, cabbage, apples. Yes or no? Text me, 2101. Results at 4.40. We have been swamped uh, with texts. So both uh, Nikki and Blair are compiling those as we speak. Be very interesting to see which way that goes at 4.40. But Nationals' Nicola Willis says she has seen a policy from Labour which would wipe GST off fruit and veggies. This is an on and off issue in Australia fruit and veggies are currently exempt from Australia's 10% GST. GST free food in Australia includes bread and bread rolls without a sweet coating, such as icing or filling. A glaze is not considered a sweet coating and unflavoured milk, cream, cheese and eggs. Is it a good idea? With us, we have uh, Bruce Bernacki, partner at Denton's Kensington Swan Tax Team. Bruce, kia ora. Great to have you in the studio. Kia ora, Wallace. Great to be here. Uh, Hasn't this been a big issue across the last 24 hours? It has. It has. I don't think I've ever spoken so much about GST and food uh, in in my life, actually, as compared to the past 24 hours. It's certainly been a lightning rod for a bit of uh, interest. Okay, so the cost of living is biting, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fruit and veggies up. 22.5% 22.5% this year. Mm-hmm. Is this a good way to address this issue? Uh, I don't think it is, and um, that's for a couple of reasons. But the primary reason is if you're wanting to um, provide additional support for low-income families, this is a very blunt instrument, and it doesn't target them. This is This will reduce the cost of fruit and vegetables to some extent for everybody. And, and if you look at the, the analysis, when the tax working group looked at this issue of taking GST off food entirely back in 2018, they said that the higher income households are going to benefit a lot more than this because they simply spend more on food and they spend more on fresh fruit and vegetables. So if you want to do a tax cut and deliver most of the benefit to high income households, this is one way to do it because they simply sp- spend more on fruit and vegetables. Okay, so it's not targeted. It's not that's, targeted that's, that's at the, that's all. That's the real. And, and, that's, and that's the point. If you actually want to really help out people who are really struggling, the low middle income families, then the half a billion dollars that's you know, been costed at today by the National Party is the cost of, of removing GST on fruit and vegetables, then, then take that half a billion dollars and, and look at your welfare and your transfer payments and look at you know, things like an income tax free threshold, look at the, um, the rates that marginal tax rates kick in at and, and really target that assistance rather than doing something that's going to benefit people who who need it less. Okay, well, drop the panel very, very shortly because they'll have views on this and we've talked about whether or not it's workable, the the beauty of the GST simplicity, but Australian obesity researchers, Bruce, have said there is strong evidence that subsidies are effective 
in increasing your fresh fruit and veggie consumption and the effect may be enhanced when combined with taxation on unhealthy foods. So just like smoking, you hit them with a, a tax. What about that? Well, well Different angle. Different, different angle, and again, that's something that's been looked at before and wasn't actually ruled out by the tax working group. So they did look at the idea of sugar taxes. So rather than taking off GST and complicating our GST system, um, you, you could look at a sugar tax and taxing okay, add unhealthy on, foods. Add on, add on a exactly. tax to unhealthy foods as opposed to taking off. Yeah. But it seems to be simpler to take, um, to take GST off your fresh broccoli, your fresh cabbage, your fresh apples. How hard can it be, Bruce? Uh, it, it can be very hard, right? Because, and I know there won't be a lot of sympathy out there for your um, super, big supermarket chains who will have the resources to adjust their entire computer systems and the way they, that they'll have to start charging GST on some things and, um, and, and not on others. But it'll affect your local greengrocer store, it'll affect your corner dairy, it'll affect the, the, the school tuck shop who might be selling bananas and potato chips at the same time, right? So everybody's got to, got to change all their systems. Right. So look, it can can be done, but 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 again, it's like you, you're going to end up getting giving a bigger slice of that tax break to the wealthy, and is that what you're really trying to do, Ellie? Oh, Bruce, help me with my maths, I beg you. Um, so I, I, I've read the corridor that it would be, uh, you know, create more sa- more savings for a wealthy family because they spend more at the supermarket. So it may be fifteen dollars for um, a less wealthy family and fifty six dollars, let's say, for a, a wealthier family. Surely that fifteen dollars um, means a great deal to the less wealthy family. I'm just I can't straighten this in my head. Um, you know, when I know that that fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars that that might be saved for a less wealthy family each week means a great deal. Well, Ellie, that that same analysis pointed out that instead of doing that, if you kept the GST on food and gave targeted breaks, you could give every household twenty eight dollars back. So the wealthy households aren't getting fifty six; they're getting twenty eight, and the low income households aren't getting fourteen; they're getting twenty eight. So, so, so the whole counter to removing GST is target target relief where it's needed and increase people's incomes either through increased welfare payments or by reducing their tax burden and not messing up you know, what is arguably the world's best GST system in the process. Which yeah. makes oh, great yeah. sense. Yeah. Why is this so popular among the uh, public then? Well, look, it sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, look, we're all struggling with the cost of living at the moment and the cost of fresh fruit and vegetables. And wouldn't it be nice to have some relief? And I guarantee you, you're not going to get the 15, full 15% because there will be costs in, in, in changing systems. So not all of that's going to go to the consumer. But it feels good. But then where, where do you stop, right? Wouldn't it be great if we took GST off our doctor's fees? Wouldn't it be great if we took GST off books? Wouldn't it be great if we took GST off all our medicines, right? There are so many nice things it will be good to to take gst off but you are just going to you know again you are going to in doing things like that sounds great but you're just going to benefit the wealthy more than the poor when you should be looking at means to to actually target target assistance to where it's needed ed well um i have a different um angle of looking at it i mean the the prices of food and vegetable 
are not high because of the taxes. They are high because of other reasons that are happening in the world. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, a, a, a eggplant, which is 450, one eggplant, which is an enormously crazy situation, $4.50, and then GST removed, some cents are reduced. But it is still expensive. And through time, after 10 years, 15 years, GST will come back. If it's removed, it will come back. Taxes always come back. So do you think it is a wrong conversation to have that it will tax will improve it or removing the tax will improve uh, the situation of the people rather than targeting the reasons which are hiking the prices? Oh, look, Ed, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Look, I'm, I'm not an economist. I don't know why, you know, I mean, why the price of food has shot up so much. You know, we can point to issues in Ukraine. We can point to the cyclones, et cetera. Um, but, but I agree with you. I think tax is sort of like the, the, the red herring. There are other reasons we've got... Um, rampant inflation. There are other reasons food prices have gone up so much. Um, and, and I think to try and use the tax system to tweak at the edges and, and try and address that is, is not the right conversation. Just to be we've seen that, and we've seen that in the petrol uh, mm-hmm. activity that happened. The tax was removed. Everybody was happy. It came back and then everybody was not happy. And it didn't solve the problem. So... What just finally, Australia is, I'm just looking at the GST free food in Australia because I've done it for some years, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Bruce. Uh, bread and bread rolls without a sweet coating, cooking ingredients, flour, sugar, premixes and cake mixes, GST free. Fats and oils for cooking, spices, sauce and condiments, GST free, good. And bottled drinking water, GST free. You're saying that the Australian system is... Is flawed. Well, the, the problem. Well, 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 look. When they first introduced GST in Australia, the government at the time, the Liberal Party, didn't want this. It was a compromise they had to do in the Australian Senate in 1998 with the Democrats to get it over the line. So this was never desired by the, the party that introduced it. And and the problem with it is that you you create all these weird boundary issues, right? So you know, in Australia, for example, like a a, a fresh chicken or uncooked chicken is GST free. As soon as you cook that same chicken and chop it up, it's takeaway food. You have GST on it. And then, as you pointed out earlier on, you have all these weird rules about what sort of sugar or coating will flip something from being in GST free to having GST on it. You get um, equally ridiculous scenarios in, in the UK. You've had you know court cases about Ribena in the UK as to whether it's a fruit drink or whether it's a medicine. Well, I can answer that. It's a fruit drink. Of course it is. It it tastes great when you're sick. I'm a big fan of hot hot Ribena when you've got a sore throat. It's wonderful, (laughs) but it is a fruit drink. Um, And and so all that does is put um, money in the pockets of people like me who then have to go around and advise supermarket chains, etc., whether something should be subject to GST or not. Fair and enough. that's really not a good use of And the last thing time. we want to do is give you more money, Bruce. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate your time. That's Bruce Bernanke, their partner at Denton's Kensington Swan Tax Team. Bruce, kia ora. Good kia to have you here. You. Uh, 19 past four. Goodness gracious me, there is a massive response to this. So our panel poll, snapshot, 440, the results. Yes or no to wiping GST off fresh fruit and veg. Well, today in the Herald, just today, the Herald uh, in the Herald, Police Commission Andrew Costa was interviewed and wonders if allowing so many booze outlets in poor areas is good for the community. Quoting, if we look at counties Monaco, there are so many liquor stores scattered around in communities like corner dairies, he said to Dave Latelli. But it's not just alcohol. The situation is also the case with fast food.
vaping outlets. Public health experts are laying down a widow, a challenge. At the Health Coalition Aotearoa, they say in these neighbourhoods, that's where Māori and Pacific communities are affected disproportionately. And it needs to change. With us is Dr. Lisa Temorenga, Health Coalition Aotearoa co-chair. Uh, Dr. Temorenga, welcome. Thank you. Um, My question, I guess, is why, when you go to some areas, uh, they're clearly, and it is striking, more booze outlets, more fast food, more vape shops. Why is that? I would um, guess that the real estate is perhaps cheapest in those neighbourhoods, so it'd be a a cost issue for those shops, easy to set up. And then you've got a ready market of people who um, are able, you know, wanting to buy those products, probably because of this long history of marketing these products to them as sort of easy targets for um, for, uh, products that don't have any value at all. Right, and what effect is it having on those communities or people who live in the area? Well, we know that marketing works, right? You wouldn't, companies wouldn't spend millions and millions of dollars on marketing if it was ineffective. Um, so these communities have had um, years and years of marketing directly right at them. So of course you've got these shops, the They've got their products on the front windows. They're ready for everyone to see. You can smell delicious KFC or fish and chips as you walk down the road. So um, I think that one thing drives the other. Um, And then, you know, you've got communities, I guess, who are used to having those foods. They're quick and easy. They fit in with their lifestyle. Perhaps you've got people who are working funny hours, shift work, multiple jobs, quick and easy um, for them to access. Lisa, we have a panel with us. Uh, Ali, let's bring you in. Yeah, I just think this is incredibly sad and a failure of multiple um, governments going back quite a long way. I mean, you know, the fact that there's been no measurable move on, you know, restricting advertising of unhealthy foods, um, and, and, you know, to, to children during view, uh, television viewing hours for kids, um, the, the lack of action on alcohol, um, you know, it's, it's just a, a, a terrible failure. And, and we, we continually hear these, um, these pleas from wonderful uh, organisations like this one and nothing ever seems to happen. Stay there, Lisa, and we'll bring Ed in as well. You can respond to both. Ed, I'm on. Yes, um, um, Lisa, my my question is that um, you, you, what is the organization's experience from the past? Because these reports uh, come out before, and then um, there was a submission from the organization uh, to the Waitangi Tribunal as well, and action are not uh, taken. Is it is it a matter of um, apathy from from the government or is it a political uh, situation where these kinds of actions in improving um, uh, local uh, communities hurt the funding and other aspects uh, of it so why why is there no why is there no 
action when it is apparent that these communities are suffering? Um, well, I think these communities are often really involved in the calls to limit the um, marketing and the um, the availability of the products in their own communities. But we we and those communities don't have the same power when it comes to convincing government mm. that big businesses seem to have. So even when they do consultations and submissions, uh, government submissions, you can see this large number of people arguing for greater limits, greater controls, yet seems like business dollars trump at the end of the day. One thing, Dr. Timoringa, did stand out uh, reading about this issue. If you can look back, if I can look back at smoking in 1990, my goodness gracious me, you know, you'd all be outside the bar or the, the concert and you'd be in a haze of uh, cigarette smoke. It was mentioned that anti-smoking prevention initiatives need to be replicated for alcohol and junk food. So maybe we might uh, get to a stage in 40 years' time where smoking will be, or junk food will be akin to smoking? Well, that would be nice. I don't really understand why we haven't been so brave um, with alcohol control. I can understand a little bit more with food, because food is complicated. Like I overheard you guys talking about GST of fruits and vegetables, and some of the issues around defining and deciding what is healthy, what you know, what should you limit? What is unhealthy? So there's a bit more judgment and we all have to eat, but we don't actually need to drink alcohol and we don't need to smoke cigarettes or vape. So it's a lot easier to justify, I think, um, controlling and regulating those. Um, but yes, I, I don't know why our government isn't brave because they could certainly um, do some really innovative um, regulations and policy following on from mm. that smoke-free. Very good, Lisa Kiora. Very good to have you on uh, the program. Uh, you have Dr. Lisa Timoringa, the Health Coalition Aotearoa co-chair. It is 26 past four. We have today, Ali Moore, investigative journalist and Ed Armand, PhD candidate, comedian. Uh, Ed and Ali with us on the show. And I did want to get to this, an article in The Guardian. Uh, took a look at the hobby of scrapbooking. And I can recall when I was a teen, I was very excited about my scrapbook. Anything Beatles-related, I would cut it out and post it in a scrapbook. I was addicted to anything about the Beatles. Uh, recall when it was a thing, you'd spend a Saturday cutting and pasting a scrapbook, anything you could about, you know, I don't know, Doctor Who or Happy Days or Tori Amos or David Bowie. Did you keep one? Ticket stubs, leaflets, swatches. What was it with us from Hastings is Joe. Welcome, Joe. Uh, I understand that you were an avid scrapbook creator. Yes, indeed. I was um, a very avid scrapbook creator. It runs in my family, I think. What was your scrapbook or what was your suite of scrapbooks on? Oh, look, I was... um, pretty obsessed with Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my parent, I was fortunate enough to have parents who owned um, bookshops and news agents. So I had um, access to a lot of newspapers and a lot of magazines. And I think probably over the course of a couple of years, I probably pushed out about hmm, five pretty, pretty good scrapbooks about Princess Diana. Ellie. 
Amazing, huh? You know, nothing I'd so I'd like to see those scrapbooks, yeah. Joe. <laughs> they should be published. <laughs> I'd love to see those. Um, I read this article and I and I felt a bit sorry for, for um, younger me because I would have been a scrapbooker, uh, but I was not wealthy enough to uh, to afford all the magazines <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that would yeah. have uh, created the content for those yeah. scrapbooks. Yeah, I was pretty lucky because I had those parents owning that bookshop. My mother had also been a scrapbooker because years later, when we were um, packing up my parents' house, I found some incredible scrapbooks that my mother had done about Queen Elizabeth's coronation. So it clearly wow. is in the family. Um, golden gum glue or PVA, Joe? Oh yeah, golden gum. Gold, sorry, golden. Gum, glue, definitely. Mm. You know, the one that had that little sort of spongy kind of push-down end on the bottle of glue? Oh, I dream about so, them. So what, what Yeah, what, what, I can smell it now, yeah. seriously. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. Would and be... the other thing was you could get the glue that had the brush that attached ah. to the top of the bottle. Yeah. So what? you unscrewed the bottle and there was a brush in the lid. That's the one. That was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty exciting. What, yeah. would, be, what yeah. would be your three top tips for a... For 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 a amateur scrapbooker, three top tips to succeed to have three books. Like uh, you know, if if I start now because I've got a baby coming, I'm going to scrapbook the 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 whole the whole life. So, what are the three tips? Yeah, I think um, a really good pair of scissors is a top tip. All right. Yep. Um, you don't really have to do much editing. Although I did spend a lot of time kind of formatting the pages and making them look pretty beautiful. I think on top of just having those beautiful magazine pictures or the pictures from the newspapers, you probably want some stencils. I was pretty excited when I got stencils oh. for my birthday. Um, and stencils. I think probably some Stevens felt tips. Definitely. Yeah, very specific Ooh. this afternoon, Joe, with your golden glum, gu- golden gum glue and your Stevens fountain. This is this is just so wonderful. I'm wondering whether or not um, scrapbooking is still a thing. Someone says, "See, I had Lady Di scrapbook." Says Heather and Nelson. Is it still a thing? Do you think, Joe? I don't think it's a thing in yeah. the in the way that we did it when we were younger, no, Wallace. I no. think that. Scrapbooking kind of took on um, sort of almost a kitsch craft kind of um, sort of thing in the 90s. It became really big where you could, and the 2000s, and it's still now, you can go to shops and buy all those fancy papers and the dots and the little sparkly stars and the bits of glitter and make these incredible scrapbooks. But, you know, we were, we were we had very little to work with back then. Mm. And we did a pretty good job of it. And I think that maybe because of social media and, you know, all sorts of technology now, scrapbooking isn't necessarily a thing that kids do a lot of. Maybe younger kids, but certainly not teenagers. Just finally, do you still have them? Um, No, I'm really sorry to say. Um, My mother... It wasn't a sentimentalist, shall we say. Um, so those things got passed on to um, waste, unfortunately. Oh, so I lived overseas goodness. for many, many years, and when I came home, my scrapbooks had gone. Gone vanished. burgers. So, yeah, yeah, I kind of lament. It's sort of a loss, as you can probably tell for me, um, but um, I'm getting over it. Joe, lovely to have you on the panel this Friday afternoon. 
Thank you for having me, Wallace. Very, very good. And of course, these days, uh, Ali, um, people might not scrapbookers because what have you got? You've got Pinterest, don't you? You've got Pinterest, Instagram. Pinterest, and I can tell you what is huge, and that's yeah. journaling, which is kind oh. of like scrapbooking with with fancy bound yes. books, journals. Yes. Um, my daughter is a journaler, and um, she's a very talented um, graphic designer. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and she creates the pages and the instead of pasting things in, she creates the entire thing herself. They're beautiful. Oh wow! And you 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 you, you might save up. Eh? You might get a bit of a special a book with a, a leather bound book or something like that. Correct. Yeah. Uh, someone says I had a scrapbook dedicated to Cassius Clay. I lost the scrapbook, but <laughs> Cassius Clay. Amazing. Um, Muhammad Ali. That's the one? Yeah, Muhammad yes, Ali. it yeah, is yeah, the same yeah. person, Great. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, lost the scrapbook, but keep the pictorial history of boxing in my bookcase in homage to this, says Jam. You're on the panel, RNZ National Power Ballad Friday, right after the headlines.